All right. Well, I want to continue. I want to speak this morning on a topic that is timely. Um, this being the last Sunday of the year, um, December 31st. And so I've titled the message today, Reflecting and Proflecting. Reflecting and Proflecting. I'm making up a word. <laughs> I'm making up a word called Proflecting. You know, and at the t- this time of year, it's always appropriate for us to take some time to reflect on the past year and a time to look forward to what the new year ahead is going to be like. And so we, when, when we look backwards, we reflect on the previous year, right? And so it only makes sense that if we're going to reflect looking backwards, that we're going to proflect looking forward. And so that's what we're doing, is that we're going to take some minutes to reflect in the past, and we're going to then proflect or look ahead to what God has for us. And, and I'll say the older I get, the more and more turmoil I see in the world, that we need this. We need a time of reflection. We need a time of looking backwards, seeing how God has been faithful in the past, and then proflecting forward, anticipating what God is going to do in the future. Because I know that we have a bright future. I, you know, I know Pastor Rip mentioned it, and I, we are a firm believer that we are in the last days of the last days. And that I expect Jesus to come back soon. It wouldn't surprise me for him to come back this year. And I'm not setting a date, but it wouldn't surprise me because I see everything happening uh, prophetically. I see everything happening around the world just as Jesus said it was going to be in the last days. And so I'm fully anticipating the return of Jesus to be soon. And so it's okay for us to look forward to that and, and anticipate that. And yes, it might make us a little bit nervous. It might make us a little bit unsettled. But that's okay because we need the spirit of the Holy Spirit. We need the conviction of the spirit to make, bring us deeper, call us deeper throughout our walk. And so today I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help us as we examine our hearts and we look backwards and forwards biblically as to what the Lord has for us. You know, and self-examination... It helps us. It's a good thing for us to do. It helps us maintain a a good priority in our life and a good focus in our life. And that we would then place the right efforts and the right priority on the important things. And then it would also help us to release ourselves from the unimportant things and not spend a lot of time or a lot of stress, a lot of effort on the things that really aren't that important. How many times do we get wound up in the details of life And when we really think about it, the details of life only bring stress. They don't bring us closer to God unless we're anticipating, unless we're asking the Holy Spirit to use those times to bring us closer to God. So uh, I want to just take the time. Our text today, we are going through a study of Philippians, and so you're going to see that this, our text is is a a little bit advanced for us right now because we're still in chapter 2 of Philippians, but our text is in chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Philippians beginning at verse 13. This is what Paul says to the church of Philippi. He says, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, as we take the time now to reflect and proflect. God, I pray that you would just give us your spirit's wisdom Give us discernment, Lord, as to what's important and what's not. 
and help us to focus on the things that will make us closer, draw us closer, and draw us deeper into you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to take a look at what the Bible says when it's referring to forgetting what is ahead and then straining toward, I'm I'm sorry, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And I hope that, that through this we will understand that we are supposed to forget some things in our past and we're supposed to stress on or, tr- or strain on, press on to some things in the future. And we need to know what's important to do, what's important to forget, and what's important to obtain. And that's what I hope to do today. So first, let's look at what we're to forget about our past. Now, there, there's a lot to consider here. Um, we all have a history. We all have a story. We all have things in our life that are good and bad. And our past can be one of our worst enemies or it can be one of our best friends, depending on how we look at it. Our past can be our worst enemy or it can become a best friend. So I want to spend some time this morning exploring both aspects so that we can choose the wise one, choose the best one. You know, there's an old saying that says, history repeats itself. You ever heard that? History repeats itself. What do you think it means? What do you think it really means when we say history repeats itself? Well, this is where history can become a foe or a friend. Depending on our past, if, if our past is promoting the goodness of God, then we want to repeat that. But if our past is promoting the evil of Satan, obviously we don't want to repeat that. So we need to know, we need to discern, we need to evaluate what is our past. If our past doesn't promote the goodness of God, then we must guard ourselves from allowing the things of the past, those damaging things of the past, to repeat. Because if we allow them to repeat, they become a habit. They become habitual in our future. And thus, if that's the case, our past can destroy our future. What happened yesterday, if I allow that to repeat itself, if it's negative, and if it becomes a habit in my life, not only was it bad then, but it can destroy my future if I allow it to continue to control me. Amen? You know what that means? This is why self-examination is important for us. So I want to take a look now for the first few minutes how our friend, how our past can be a friend to us. First of all, we can do some things. We can, number one, we can learn from our past. And looking at our life choices and the consequences thereof can be a valuable lesson to us before we forget about the past. So let's take some time to learn from our past before we forget about it. Think about the things you've done or you've been involved with this past year. Think about them. Just take a minute and reflect Are you benefiting from them today? The things that you were involved with this past year, are they a friend to you today? Are you benefiting from them? Are you growing from them? Or are you reaping the negative consequences from them? Consequences always follow actions. You cannot get away from consequences. You can choose your actions, but you can't choose your consequences. Once you begin, once you do the deed... The consequences are already in motion. So as you reflect on the past, 
Are you benefiting from them? Are the consequences good? Or are you suffering from some of the negative consequences because maybe the choices weren't so good? So with, and that, with that said then, what can we learn from our past to improve our moving forward? What are some of the choices that we made last year? Do I want to repeat those same choices? Do I want to go down that path again? Do I want to repeat it in the upcoming year, 2024, or do I want to let 2023 choices be where they are? It all depends. What was I doing then? Am I benefiting from them, or am I reaping the negative consequences from them? So the second thing we can do is that we can better understand our own human nature when we self-examine and when we reflect on the past. And so maybe your past includes some life-controlling habits. Maybe you've allowed some things in your life to become a habitual thing for you. And understanding them and what caused you to do those things is how you break them. Until you understand why you did those things, you really can't have a future of not repeating them because you don't understand why. So by understanding them, maybe we can better observe the consequences of them, and maybe we can allow them to be used in our life to help us not repeat them as we move in the, for, in, in the future, not only for ourselves, but for other people. Here's, the reality is, guys, our actions not only impact ourselves, but our actions impact our family, our friends, our church, those that are close to us. So we're not an island here. As independent as you think you are, as independent as you want to be, you're not an island. Your actions impact the people around you. And we might not appreciate that in a moment, but if you look back in your life, maybe you look back at some of the things you did that were selfish, that were all about you, not in a good way, and look at the carnage that might have come from that around other people. Look at how you might have hurt other people's lives because you had a selfish attitude about yourself. So there's some reality here. And in some cases, it's painful to look at that, but until we see it for what it is, there's nothing that we can do to help it. Until we be honest with ourselves and see it for what it is, we can't be helped. And then the third thing, that we can do with our past as it's a friend is that we can recognize the cause and effect cycle because it is a cycle. It is a cause and effect. By seeing how our actions in the past created a certain behavior, whether good or bad, it can help us either break that cycle and the negative behaviors or it can strengthen the positive behaviors in our life because life is a cycle. And if we're going to conquer the past, and if we're going to defeat it, we need to do some hard work. It's not going to be easy, and we need to do whatever it takes to get to the root of our past problems and not just deal with the, with the symptoms. You know what that means? It means we've got to dig deep. Sometimes you've got to uncover the rug that you've been sweeping stuff under all year long and say, and, and say stop it. Done with that nonsense. I've got to deal with the root problem because until I start dealing with the root problem, I'm just dealing with the symptoms and I'm never going to get better. 
you know, that's part of a problem. And I don't, I mean, with our, with our medical society today, big pharma doesn't really want us to get to the root problems. They want to just deal with the symptoms because they can make money with the symptoms. And they could just go ahead and, and, and help us get psyched, sucked into going in and getting prescriptions and, you know, doing more things rather than dealing with the root issue. Physically, spiritually, we need to dig deep and find out really what's causing the problem. You figure out what's causing it, you can fix it. The Holy Spirit can help you fix it. That's a friend of ours. That's how we've been talking about how if you look at our past in a proper way, it can become a friend to us because it can help us learn how to fix the problems. So now, how can looking at our past be a foe? How can it be, how can it be bad? See, our past can be either so destructive or, or listen, or so enchanting that we just can't let it go. Think about that. My past can be so destructive or so good that I just can't stop living in it. And as a result, we can't move forward. And, and, and if that's the case, we either get stuck in neutral, going nowhere, or worse yet, we find ourselves regressing into a state of depression. Or we want to live in the good old days. We want to live in the glory days. When I was healthy. You know, and yeah, it's, I don't mean that we shouldn't remember the good times. I'm not saying that. But we can't let them dominate our life today because if I'm going to, dom- if I'm going to live in the glory days of, of all, how good I used to be, I'm not going forward. I'm living in my past. I'm, I'm looking in my rearview mirror instead of looking down the road to avoid a problem. I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I'm gonna, it's not going to end well. So w- whether I am stuck in the past because it's so bad or because it's so good, if we don't move away from that, if we stay there too long, we're going to die in our misery or we're going to die in our fantasy of living in the good old days. We have to move on. We have to let the past be the past. Let me give you a, a biblical example about this. And this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Going back to Abraham and Lot. Remember that? Abraham and Lot were uh, venturing away from their home town and, and, and moving into the what God has for them. And, and uh, Lot and Abraham, they got so big in their herds and things, they had to separate. So Abraham gave Lot the choice. Hey, Lot, which way do you want to go? And I'll go the other way. And so Lot chose the way of Sodom and Gomorrah. He wanted to go to the cities. So Abraham said, fine, you go that way and I'll go this way. And so Lot did. And he went and he lived in the city of Sodom, which is a twin sister of Gomorrah. And we know both of those were evil, city, evil cities. We know the story. We don't have to go back and repeat the whole story and, and the sin nature of Sodom and Gomorrah. But what I want to talk about now is that when it, it came time for God to punish Sodom and Gomorrah, he gave a warning. He sent a couple angels to Sodom, to Lot and his family, and, and told Lot, I'm going to destroy this city, and I want to give you an opportunity to get out. Let me read to you what this account says. Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. It says, With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, 
or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men or the angels grasped Lot's hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Now we know the story. We know what happened. God rained down lava. A volcano erupted and God totally wiped out both cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, off the face of the earth. But here's the question I have. Is why do you think it, it, it took a lot, for Lot and his family, why were they so hesitant to leave the city even when two angels came down to them and warned them that the city was going to be destroyed? Why were they hesitant? Why did the angels have to come down and pull them out by physically, pull them out by, by their hand and say, come on, leave the city because God's going to destroy it? Can I suggest here that the love of the world was so compelling to Lot and his family that it took the angels physically leading them out of the city that God was going to destroy? There was something so compelling about their love for the world. And we know the story. We know how it ends. And it's difficult for us to appreciate the fact that it took this kind of pulling, this type of urging of the angels sent by God to pull Lot out of the world. And we can say, Lot, man, you were stupid, Lot. You knew what was coming. What was wrong with you? But can I also suggest that we're given the same warning today for us to flee the love of our world that we're living in that is also bound for destruction and we resist that? Why? Why do we resist pulling away from the destruction of this world? Could it be that we love our world too much? Could it be that we're too engaged in the things of the world that we just can't see God warning us to get out? I'm going to destroy it. And I'm giving you an opportunity to flee. But yet we resist because we're so in love with our pleasures of the world. Does that make sense? Can you see that in our hearts and lives? Can you see that in the carnal Christian? Can you see that in many churches around us today that we're so in love with the world that we just want to talk about the good things? We want to talk about self-help messages. How can I do better in this world, not how can I escape this world? How can I live a life that I don't have to deal with this world, that I can escape the temptations and the pull of the enemy who would only want to suck me deeper in the world rather than, being go, rather than going deeper in the Lord? That we just want to say, skin, you know, just shallow with the Lord and deep with the world. Do we see that's not biblical? Do we see God warning us the same way that he warned Lot and his family? That he's saying, leave the world and go deep with me and I'll give you health, I'll give you strength, I'll give you a future, I'll give you a hope and a promise that will just blow you away if you'll just trust me and work with me. That's what's being said today. But as you read down a few more verses, this is about what happened to Lot's wife. Genesis 19.26 But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. 
Luke references the same account. Jesus says this in Luke 17, 32 and 33. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Jesus is using the example of how one can love the world so much that we allow the world to destroy us because we're afraid to leave it. See, Lot's wife loved the pleasures she had in Sodom. She had a reputation. She had friends. She might have had a role of responsibility or something about Sodom that she loved so much that she just couldn't bear to watch it and walk away from it. So she turned back to Sodom. And as a result, it proved fatal to her because she placed her interests and her affections on an earthly society rather than on a heavenly society. And that's what Jesus is saying for us today. For those that would cling to their life as defined by the world's passions and the world's pleasures, that you'll end up losing your life if that's what is dominating you, if that's what's pulling you back to your past. So one of the major foes of our past life is that maybe we love the world more than we love Jesus and his kingdom. You know, that should bring a little conviction to us. It does to me. When I studied through this this week and I started thinking about this, I'm thinking, Lord, how am I doing this? Where am I guilty in this? Because I'm no different than you. I'm just as guilty and sometimes allowing the pulls of this life the pleasures of this life. And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy life. I'm not saying that at all. But I just have to remind myself that I can't let that become my source of joy, my source of who I am, my identity. Because if I start living that way, I'm going to lose it. So what can we learn from this foe? That our love and our passion can be placed on the temporary things over the eternal things to the point that I can miss out on what God has in store for me and in my future. That I can focus my time, my efforts on the temporary things and I can miss out on what God has really in store for me and for you. So in this light, ask yourself this question. Is my heart And my affections, are they more attached to earthly things than to Jesus and the hope of his return and for eternity? Ask yourself that question. Underline that. If you have the notes with you, underline that question and go home and think about it and and, and challenge yourself. Am I more in love with the world and my past than I am with my future? Am I more comfortable living in the misery maybe of my past? or maybe living in the good old days of my past, rather than challenged and encouraged and excited about moving forward with Christ. Remember, we're talking about the things in our past that we're supposed to forget and not dwell on. That's what we're talking about. We're not supposed to to dwell on these things. These are the things we're supposed to forget. But I think there's one more problem in our past that I think this is the most devastating foe of our past. And that is that dwelling on your failures to the point that they dictate your future. Listen, that your identity is one of sin and repeated failures. 
and you're unable to overcome them. And therefore, you can't see yourself as worthy of God's forgiveness. I think that's the biggest negative foe of of the past is that it dictates our identity, that I'm a sinner. And can I tell you that if you're forgiven from Christ, you're not a sinner anymore. You're redeemed. You are a new creation. And when we look at this attitude, it can develop an attitude that we're unforgivable by God. And you know what that is? That's a sense of pride. That I'm so bad, God can't forgive me. That there's something about me that is so bad that I can't be forgiven from that. And the enemy loves it when people get trapped in that cycle of repeated sin. And the attitude that God won't forgive because we're so bad. Well, let me say very emphatically that this is a lie from the deepest pit of hell. There is nothing that God can't forgive in your life. If you come to him and ask him to forgive you, and if you're willing to repent of those things and go the other direction, I promise you God's word says that you will be forgiven. Nothing can be unforgiven by God if you're willing to be forgiven. It's a choice that we have to make. John three sixteen through 18, we know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You might be convicted, but you're not condemned. And there's a big difference be- between condemnation and conviction. The devil condemns and he says, you're unworthy. You're unforgivable. You're a no good loser. That's condemnation and that's what the devil says. But the Holy Spirit says, I convict you in certain areas that I will forgive you from if you will deal with it. If you'll give this to me, I'll forgive you. And that's conviction and that's okay. We want to invite conviction into our life, but we reject condemnation. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference between the two? And how important it is that we live in conviction and not condemnation. Jesus came with the purpose to pay the penalty for all sin and all evil, without exception. And it's impossible to commit such a heinous sin that you can't be forgiven. So don't believe the enemy. Once we forgive, once we're forgiven and we understand how important that is, we need to learn to forget it. This is where you start forgetting the things. Once you've learned from them, now forget them and move on. Jesus says, or Isaiah says this, the prophet Isaiah says this in verse chapter 43, verse 25. I, even I, he's talking about God, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. You know, that word blots out is probably not strong enough. It's not just a blotting out. It is a removal of your sin. And God says, I remember them no more. In other words, I'll never bring the skeleton up out of the closet. I'll never bring it up when you're having a bad day. And I'm going to say, and God will never say, do you remember when? Because if you're forgiven from that, he'll never bring it up again. The devil will all the time. But God won't. So that's when you tell the devil he's a liar. No, here's what you do. You tell the devil, you say, you know, devil, you're right. Don't argue with him. You're right. I was that at one point in time, but I'm not that anymore. I'm not that anymore. So get out of here. Leave me alone because you can't convince me to go back there because that's not who I am anymore. Listen, 
listen, this is so important. If God is willing to forgive and forget, then so should we. If God's willing to forgive you, then you should be willing to forgive yourself. God forgives to give eternal life. You forgive to accept eternal life. And then you forget about it. And we need to learn how to forgive and release ourselves from thinking that we have to hold on to the sins of the past because they were at one time your identity, but Jesus forgives your identity and it changes. It changes. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, The new is here. Your old identity no longer is your identity. You have a new identity in Christ Jesus. Paul writes to in in Romans chapter eight, verse one, he says, Therefore, this is what we've been talking about, there is no therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So now you're free. You're free from your sin. You're free from your old identity. But there's something else that's important too. Because maybe you're not dealing with a lingering sin identity. Listen, this is important. But maybe you have others that are just as debilitating. Maybe it's an identity as a worrier or a prideful or arrogant person. Or maybe you were just self-indulgent boastful or fearful. You see, the list could go on and on. There's other things in your life that may not be considered sinful, but they identify you and they keep you from moving forward because I just can't stop worrying about things. I I get that thought in my head and I can't get free of it. I can't allow the peace of God to come into my life because I'm worrying about it all the time. That's just as much of a trap of your past as being a sinful past. Your new identity in Christ is one that makes you a new person and it replaces all those old negative identities and the ones that the enemy has trapped you in for all those years thinking that you're never going to be able to change. Those are the things that we are to forget. So forgetting what is behind then is forgetting what God forgets. Our sin and our old identity and everything else that is holding us back from who he has for us, those are the things that we are to strain and press onward to. I love this passage, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked off for us, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Do you see what the author is saying here that we're to throw off everything that hinders and the sin. There are some things that hinder us that aren't sinful. And so those are the things of our past, our worrying, our ability not to have peace in situations. Throw it off. Don't accept it any longer. It's not your identity any longer. So forgetting what is behind is forgetting what God forgets. And it's only as we forget about these things can we move on to the future that takes us to the second point, and that is straining toward what is ahead. 
Philippians 3, 13 and 14, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is where we can find victory. This is where we can find true joy and true happiness, knowing that our future is better and brighter than our past. No matter how good our past was, our future is better. Remember that. No matter how good the good old days were, or or no matter how bad the old days were, our future is brighter and better than our past. But we need to know some things about this. We need to know the reality of what it's going to take because even though we're forgiven from the past and our identity has changed, Paul makes it perfectly clear that moving into the future is going to take a deliberate choice and listen to what I'm going to say, but listen in the right way. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some work. And don't be afraid of work. Why do we need to know that? Because the enemy isn't going to let you go without a fight. The enemy's had you bound up in your past for so long, he's not going to say, okay, I give up. He's not going to give up on you. Just so you know that, you have to understand that so that when discouragement comes again, you know who it's coming from. It's coming from the enemy, and he's trying to get you back. That's how valuable you are. He's trying to get you back. But we can win this thing if we're determined to win it. If we're determined, if we're diligent in our choices, that's why verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, that I have to be diligent in this. And you know what's interesting is Paul uses the metaphor of being an athlete in training that is willing to put the work in to get the work done. First Corinthians chapter 9, 24 and 25, Paul says to the Corinthian church, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So let's talk about this for a minute. The type of race that Paul's referring to here was a Greek race that was part of the games that were held in Corinth at that time. And in these games, there were multiple events. There were races, there were fights, there were wrestling matches. There was even musical comp- competitions. So it was, it was a competition of many forms. But all of the forms required strict training. All of them meant you had to go into a training time and you had to work hard. And it didn't matter if it was a time of physical training or time of musical competition, you had to work hard at your race, at your, at your event, whatever it was. And so Paul is then, then comparing this to the life of a Christian. But the major difference here is that the Christian isn't competing against other Christians. Listen, the competition is with their own flesh. So when Paul says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize. He's not saying that when I compete in my Christian life, I'm competing against you in your Christian life. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that I'm competing against my flesh. You're competing against your own flesh, and only one is going to win the prize. Either your flesh is going to win or God's spirit is going to win. They're both not going to win in your life. And so we need to be diligent and deliberate in our training of ourselves so that our flesh man will not outpace my spiritual man. Does that make sense? 
Do you know what? Do you know what Paul is trying to say here? So for us to win the prize for which God is calling me forward is going to require something of us. It's going to require that I have to have a lifestyle of discipline and a lifestyle of self-control. And that's why Paul says, just the next verse down in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 7, 27, he says, Therefore, I do not run like someone beating, running aimlessly. No, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is describing this as a physical battle with himself, that he will not allow his flesh man to conquer his spiritual man. And he's trying to get us to get that same understanding. So to win the prize for which God is calling me heavenward <coughs> is going to require something of us going forward. And that's what this message is for us as we consider what next year has in store. It's hopefully going to challenge us. Are we going to be determined not to be distracted by the temptation that will come our way in 2024? He's warning us that in this life will bring worries, it'll bring riches, it'll bring fears, it'll bring loss, it'll bring evil desires, and it'll bring temptations of all sorts. But all of these are designed by the enemy to distract you and distract me from my commitment to follow Christ to the end. And you need to know that. I'm educating you today. I'm preparing you for the fight ahead so that we can forget what is behind including the corruption of our old life and including even the glory days and that we can move ahead the way God would have us move ahead. Jackie, would you come, please? I hope this makes sense. I hope this is hitting the mark for you as it is for me this week. So looking back over the past year, we have to be honest with ourselves this morning. Are we able to see ourselves the way God does? Are you able to look at your life and examine your life and see yourself the way God sees you? You see, if you're forgiven of your sin, if you've asked Christ to forgive you of your sin, and if you are a disciple of Christ, and if you are a child of God, here's the question. Can you forgive and release yourself from your old identity and see your life as a redeemed man or a redeemed woman. You see, if you're holding on to your old identity, can you let go of it? Can you let go of it? It's going to take some work. It's going to take an effort. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some diligence. It's going to take a level of commitment to yourself. Are you like Paul? Are you willing to beat your body? Are you willing to go into competition with your flesh man? To say, I'm not letting that flesh man win in 2024. He dominated me in 23 and beyond maybe before that, but no more. This is a new life for me. This is a new marker for me. I'm moving ahead. I'm pressing forward. And if you can accept your life in Christ, you will be free of worry, free of regret, free of pride, free of guilt, and you'll be fully accepted as a child of God. Do you know, do you want that?
determined? Are you determined to press on and strain for the prize of heaven? Oh my gosh, listen, if we could appreciate what that means, if we could get a glimpse of heaven, as Paul did, if we could get just a glimpse of what heaven is about, then this life would be easy to give up. But the problem is sometimes we don't want to get that glimpse. We don't want to press in. We're comfortable. As Pastor Rip said, we're in our spiritual lazy boy, just waiting for the rapture to happen. No. No, that's not the call. The call is for us to get busy in the kingdom. Go deeper in the kingdom. Be committed. You can be that way today. And that's my prayer. My prayer for you as we begin this new year is that we're willing to pray and ask God to give us the willingness, the determination, the perseverance to press ahead into the future that he's promised us, letting go of the past, letting go and forgetting the failures, knowing that God has forgiven and released for a new future, a new identity, with that comes victory, comes joy, comes peace. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the way that you prepare us for what's ahead. And God, also how you remind us over and over to forget the things that are holding us back, that have been so effective in, in, in holding us back from the past and keeping us from having that true identity change. So God, today I pray for everyone here in this building and for those online that are listening that we would be able to break that bondage, that we'd break that grip of our flesh man. And I just don't want to blame it on Satan. I want to take responsibility for myself. I have done some things. I have held on to some things that I need to let go of. And I do that willingly today. I lay it down at the cross. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my past. Give me a new identity for the future. And lead me into the brightness, into the glory of what you have in store for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I pray you're able to pray that prayer as well. If you need help in that, reach out. Reach out to Pastor Rip or myself or anyone sitting next to you here. That We'd love to pray with you love to be a prayer partner. Amen. I am coming back to first love. I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm coming back to you. No more going through the motions. You're my one. I'm coming back
we just love you this morning. We thank you that you are so gracious to us. That your grace abounds more and more. God, as we go into our lives this week, I pray, God, that we our love for you grows deeper and our love for the world is weakened. And I pray, God, that we just find ourselves chasing after you more and more. And, let, and yes, Lord, we're going to have problems. We're going to have issues. But Lord, help our, 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 our a new identity in Christ overcome those issues. Help us to remind ourselves, no, I don't worry about that anymore. I don't fret over that anymore. That's not going to dominate my life anymore because I have my future set on Christ and I'm going to run with perseverance the race marked out for us, keeping my eyes focused on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for me today. And therefore, Father, that is my identity in Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, as we go throughout our week today, that we'll be motivated by that. And that we'll have a new hope and a new joy as we look forward to the brightness of the future ahead. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today.